Welcome to the Brazilian Zook No Cap Podcast with your hosts, Archie, Ifosa, Jesse, Amber, and Jamie L, where we discuss all things Brazilian Zook, honestly and from our perspective collectively and personally. So go ahead and grab you something to drink, grab you something to eat, turn this up, and let's hop into this next episode. Uncivilized swine. Uncultured swine. Uncultured swine. Uncultured swine. Toy Story. Uncultured swine. Toy Story. Okay, well, then I'll start it off and then we'll kind of just flow and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yo, what's going on, world? Welcome to the Brazilian Zook No Cap podcast. We have an amazing topic for you. And for this topic, we have the entire crew rocking with us today. It's your boy, Archie. We also got the homie Jamil in the building. Yep. It's a gang gang already. We got Jesse here. Hey. Ifos is right here also. What's good? And we got Amber DJ Aphrodisiac. What's up? What's up? And um, so we're this topic is going to be really good. We actually wanted to hit on it a while back. And thank you, social media, because you made us hit on it a little bit earlier. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking specifically about making money in the dance scene as any person that is providing a service. So we're going to hit on artists as far as teachers, DJs, freaking volunteer staff people, photographers, videographers. We're going to try to hit on anybody that's providing service in the dance scene and making money and what we think about that. So let's go. So Where I guess want to start with this. Do you feel like individually every person that is providing a service regardless of level should make something if they are providing a service in the dance scene? Let's just ask it like that. That's a super blanket question. No. Yeah. Oh no. Jesse says no. no. Okay. No. Really? Jesse says yes. no. Jamil says yes. If I mean, says yes. if they're providing a service and they and they're asking for a price back, I mean, I don't care. It's, it's, up, to, it's up to you where you want to spend your Biden dollars, basically. You there's just some services that are like really nice. I don't know that cash compensation is necessary for all of them because there's a lot of things that go into making a festival happen, but certain things like taxi dancers i don't necessarily think that they should be paid to provide a service but it's a very necessary service i think that that's one of those jobs where it's like you come you get a ticket in exchange and you know maybe a hotel room and that's about it and i don't okay. think they need to get paid whenever i can't remember y'all remind me and i'm not being sarcastic because i really can't remember when i asked the question did i say financial compensation no. or did i just so say this yeah this is where i was going to say it Kind yes, but like more towards it depends on whatever the compensation value is worth it to them. So like it may not necessarily be money. It could be certain benefits as like having a hotel room or just being more exposure, whatever, et cetera. Or sometimes it's for a friend, so maybe they don't want to get paid. Exposure so well, dollars don't pay no bills, but that's I, I know, but that's why I put <laughs> quotation marks. Have a baby. Exposure dollars is not paying for diapers. But anyway, we're going to keep it going. 
listen even that like even if we're talking about like brand new teachers like there are certain people that I don't know maybe it's just because of my journey through teaching and how I know like a lot of the early kids people had to work but a lot of us were working for free you know in the very beginning stages of our teaching journeys before at festivals to kind of prove ourselves and get the street cred we needed before we were able to feel like we were able to ask for money. You know, in those beginning stages, when you're the one reaching out to the organizer and you're asking to be hired, I think it's a little bit shady to be like, beg somebody to hire you. And then at the same time, be like, okay, and now I'm going to charge you. Like there's just certain soft industry conversations that happen where it's like, sometimes you got to pay those dues, you know? So I'm going to ask, Amber, what she thinks, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Amber, because you didn't answer in the middle of all that ruckus. <laughs> Listen, I think Jesse hit the nail on the head. If you are begging mm. to be in an event, you're not getting paid, and you shouldn't get paid. The market will demand if you get paid or not. If people are requesting you at events, you know, mm. harassing organizers to hire you, the organizer is going to reach out to you, and they have to pay you. That's it. But if you are begging in, in in people inboxes you're not gonna get paid so don't beg like I said like I don't know the second third podcast do not beg and people will pay you that's a simple fix so does this this applies to base I mean so I don't want to taxi dancers you said that but let's talk about like the main people that are involved that's in... what we talking about we talking about teachers DJs like if you're begging to be on the lineup I'm not so teachers DJs photographers <clears throat> videographers is there anybody else that should be included Listen, in that? Even taxi dancers, even taxi dancers. If you are a good social dancer, the organizer will have, they want you at your event. I've seen organizers who be like, hey, you can come to this event. You can stay with so-and-so. You can get it free. Like if the market wants you there, you're going to be there. You don't have to pay nothing. There have been some taxi so dancers true. that do get paid and if you're having a so-called pro, like, you know, one of those top epsilon dancers be a taxi dancer, obviously you'll pay for their services because they've demanded that within the, with their working experience. Gotcha. There's certain kinds of soft exchanges like, hey, I'll have you come to the event. You know, they'll have a teacher come be like, hey, I don't have room for you on the lineup, but I can get you a hotel room. I will advertise you on the um, posters and let everyone know that you're coming so that you can book private lessons. And in that way, you still have the capability of making money, but you're just not directly on the lineup and you have to do a little bit more of the hustling yourself. Okay. Yes. And I agree with that. I also go back and forth because I've had this conversation with people outside of Brazilian Zouk and outside of Kizomba, specifically within Salsa and Bachata. And they talk to me and I'm talking high level people and it happening way more often than people might think, because at the end of the day, Nobody knows who's making what except for the organizer and the person being hired. So we can assume, oh, man, this person's everywhere. But we don't know the ins and outs of the agreements that's taking place between these people, you know? Go ahead and call it out. The people that pay for their own flights to teach at festivals. Man. And, and, and their, their, their lineup is full, but their bank account ain't full, not from the festival. <laughs> but I was talking to people and it surprised me how many people within that I was talking to about specifically salsa and bachata are out here working and not getting paid. And at the very minimum, so I know some people within salsa and bachata that don't get paid 
for their classes or they do get paid for their classes, but they still have to pay for a hotel. They still have to pay for their flights. So it's like, are they really getting paid? Because the, the money that they're paying for their money that they're getting paid for their classes, they just have to turn around and use that on getting to the event and staying at the event. So I was talking to them and I was like, Bro, the dance scene is the freaking ghetto. There are some, don't get me wrong, but even <laughs> even with some, they're there's they're different. But there's not a lot of places within society where somebody is paying to come work. Bro, they are paying you to come mm. and work for you. Mm. Like there are places where people will work for free, and I have my own thoughts on that. But it's even worse when I'm coming out of pocket to come here and it's all hidden under the guides of well you got to pay your dues and i'm like do you talk to a new architect or a new person who has any sort of career and somebody can hide it under the guise of this is art and that's whatever but it's like do you talk to anybody in any profession that's brand new in their profession straight out of college and say well you can build this for me but you got to pay your dues so you know what do you think internships are internships are that i agree but still are they paying to come and work yes dude so like i'll tell you my freshman year of college i was like really into political science and i joined a little political science group and we spent our vacations like going and working on different different campaigns and during the summer all of my friends went to dc for the summer to intern for different congressmen senators and it was like the most elite prestigious thing you could do but i couldn't afford to go because they had to pay for their own dc rent dc food DC everything Mm. out of pocket. They were not being paid anything. So they were in college or they were in In college. college. Okay. So in college, you're in college. This is you're in school. So like there's a difference there. In my opinion, a person that's in school paying for an education, trying to get something that's guaranteed for them after they get out of college versus I've trained and I've studied and I've paid already for my college, quote unquote, with my classes and stuff. And I'm still growing because I'm not stopping in the same way. A person who's learning and graduated out of college is still growing and still learning, but I've already done this. And now I'm actually going to work. And I I feel like you're contradicting yourself. I feel like you're contradicting yourself because you're saying on one hand, like you shouldn't have to pay your dues. If I'm doing the job, I should get compensated. A lot of those college kids were in fact doing the job regardless of whether they had their degree or not. And they were doing the jobs that the staffers were also doing on the campaign and not getting paid for it. Like regardless of their background, if you're saying that you got to like put your dues in or if you're saying that you don't have to put your dues in to get paid, then that also applies to internships. You should not have to put your dues in and get a college degree while you're still figuring things out and then also not get paid. Like it has to be consistent. It's the same thing. Well, not every internship is an unpaid internship. There are sure. opportunities for you to get paid at internships. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I but I kind of see where, where Archie was coming from because maybe this is just a perception that like college but kids in college are like still putting in the work to get where they need to be. But like, if you already graduated and you already went to the program and everything like that, now I'm in the field that I want to work in. I, my dues are paid in college basically. So like, I shouldn't have to continue to work for free 
and whatever unpaid internship when I've already, like I said, I've already got my degree. But. A big disconnect that we can't really compare equally kind of is there's no, Maybe. I mean, there is dance colleges, but not mm-hmm. like there's, there's not a dance scene college, I guess. They try to have courses and classes for instructors and stuff that teach them how to be instructors and they get these certificates and that's cool and stuff, but it's not the same. So it's kind of hard to compare that, even though yeah. I do double down on what I said as far as internship versus <laughs> college. Also, I said what I said. Even though internship it's, versus college, like, I just, I think that this different. I think it's more like a trade school. Like, you go, you learn the basics of the trade that you're trying to get into, and then when you decide you want to enter into the business side of it, you get an apprenticeship where you work alongside somebody, you learn the ropes, you have to maybe expand your business by cutting people deals because you're building your own book. And you're having to prove yourself and your worth. And then when you establish enough street cred, you can start charging real money. Man, yeah, I remember back in the day when salsa events used to have physical tickets. And if you wanted to be on the lineup, but they didn't want to hire you, they used to give you like 20 tickets. And be like, just sell them <laughs> yes. for whatever. And that yeah. was your oh payment. God. Yes. I remember that. No, I remember that. This, but, but to be honest, if we're being honest, that was better than it is right now. Exactly. It exactly. was. It was because they wouldn't give you them tickets until like two weeks before the festival and be like, here you go. But it's like you already sold all the tickets to everyone. What you mean? No, that's when you can cut a deal. Yeah, you could you could sell you could you could sell 20 tickets in two weeks. If you hustling. Yeah, people you would hustle. That. People would hustle in their blood. We'll pop them tickets out in a second. Stand outside the sorry, festival like a scalper. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to, me, to me, there is a fine line. And I remember this moment. There was a fine line between am I an artist or am I marketing your event? And that became like a huge struggle. Like you need to hire a marketing team if you would like this thing marketing. Cause they will put in our contracts. You have to invite like 50 people to the event. You have to add these people and they have to use these discount codes. And like people were, and people were getting different discount codes. So there'd be one artist with like 20% off and then another artist with 15. And they'd be like, their tendencies to be like, well, I'd rather use the 20% off. And it's like, what's the point of me having these little discount code or whatever's if we're not going to be able to actually compete in the market, but you're still getting the advertisement because I'm still posting and I'm still sharing and people are still seeing it on my page. I'm just not getting the payout. You I know? agree with that. I I'm agree. here to be an artist, not a marketing person. I agree with that. And I think that more event organizers need to do a better job at understanding marketing is a very important thing outside of artists and teachers and DJs, et cetera, et cetera. So I do agree with that, but I also think that it was better back in the day when we could sell tickets. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's good payment for like, if you're reaching out and you want to like, you know, you have a big pool, but you're not quite there to be on the lineup, reach out to the organizer and be like, Hey, I would love to bring people from my community. If I could sell like five or 10 tickets, would you be able to comp me a pass? And so that way it's mutually beneficial for everybody involved. You get in the organizer's line of sight is like, hey, I'm somebody that's got pull. I'm somebody that is willing to work when I show up to your event. Like, it's just a really, it's a nice, easy way to network and get yourself on the organizer's radar without being annoying about it. God but dog. you actually have to come through with the ticket. How many organizers, how many, I always do that before I'm about to say something. I always do that. I got to stop doing that. How many organizers do you think actually know how to organize events? And what I mean by that is, is I don't mean that they can't run an event, but I mean, how many of them are actually like, not just a person who danced and decided to do a dance event? 
but they actually tried to learn how to organize. And Brazilian Zook? Mm-hmm. Teresa Widener. <laughs> Man, I'm talking about in general at this point. Well, I mean, yeah. usually, I would say a good number of the women ones, women organizers know how to run it and do a really good job at it. The guys, I'm not. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the guys is like, uh, it's like always, always, always. <laughs> a lot to be desired shit. there. <laughs> Go ahead. Go I feel ahead, like Jason. he's asking more of like, do, do do they have event planning like outside? Like of that's dance? that's the question. Mm, and, okay. and, and 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 I wouldn't even say outside of dance because a person can be like, I dance in the same way that you probably started dancing before you became a teacher. And then you were like, I really like this and I want to teach people. Let me learn how to teach. Mm-hmm. I really like Ifosa. I really like this DJing thing. I'm going to take a gang of privates and learn how to DJ. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm a person that likes to dance. I want to yeah. put on an event. I think I'll just do it. You know what I'm saying? Like how many, I feel like with that might come a lot of unforeseen problems when it comes to stuff like you were talking about earlier, as far as not knowing how to actually do proper marketing and not knowing how to not treat your people that you're hiring like your marketing team. Like all Mm -hmm. that stuff I think might be part of maybe some organizers just not having any type of training in it. As you know, like with Teresa in the podcast with her, she mentioned that she was already organizing before she even did this. So she already did the studying, she did the trial by fire and all that. To learn how to organize. Right. She even still came across a bunch of stuff that she had to learn on the fly as well. Like organizing events and whatnot too. Yeah, it's a tough thing. I I honestly wouldn't put myself in any of their shoes, you know, in terms of just out of the blue deciding to want to want to organize, you know, unless you're like a, uh, like an event planner by trade, by, by what you do in your career. And then you're like, oh, let me put on a dance event, da, 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 which I can't think of anybody in the scene who who has done that. It's, it's way too much. The I and I thank the women who in all the dance scenes who are halfway decent at organizing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I have a hot take on this, and I meant Shoot. to mention this earlier when um, Archie, you were talking about why people would work for free, and I feel like you're making the assumption that monetary gain is the ultimate goal mm. of why they're entering this arena. And sometimes people are doing it ego reasons. They like see the affirmations that people are getting and that's really what they want. They want to get out there and be able to do a demo or they want to have their name on a flyer or they want to have, you know, their name next to an event. Or, or for Poom Poom. There are people that have organized events because they want demos with certain people. Like it's not even about like the attendee experience. It's like I just want to be able to have contact with these sorts of artists. There's people that organize events because they're doing an exchange where they're like, if I bring this artist into my city they've agreed to bring me into their city and we're not actually getting paid money but we're getting we're doing an exchange that's beneficial for both of us just the simple like i want to have the power like there's just so many different reasons that people enter into dance into organizing whatever else they're doing it because they like nefarious reasons that maybe are not like wise in business i won't ask they're doing it they're doing it because so-and-so organized event and i don't like them and i want to do a better event like it'd be just (laughs) stupid petty reasons why people organize events so it's it sounds like it sounds go ahead go ahead yeah there are some organizers who become organizers because well there's nobody 
in their scene to organize anything. So they have to, so they have to do it. And because there's not, there's no one in their scene, they have to go through that trial by fire, make all those mistakes and learn things as they're doing it, as with some teachers have to be, become teachers because there's no one around them. So they have to learn as they're going. Do you feel like, I won't say, I won't say right or wrong, but do you feel mm-hmm. like some of the, the reasons have the ability, because it's, here's the deal. It's, you're not sitting still. You're either mm-hmm. lifting up the scene or you're tearing down the scene. Yes. My personal, mm-hmm. my personal opinion, you're not, you're not coasting. So do you think that some of those reasons are actually a hindrance to the scene versus lifting up the scene. Oh my I god, think, of course. I yeah. think it goes it goes up and down as their journey continues. What like if they're making bad decisions and so on, then yeah, it will obviously tear the it will be a hindrance to the scene. But mm-hmm. as they're growing in their own development, then it starts to be a positive thing. Granted, I do not know of how many bad organizers have turned into good organizers. Sometimes it's not always, it's not static, mm-hmm. but usually at least the ones I I associate with, they tend they have stayed good and like Teresa Dublin and so on. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I think that I've I've experienced a lot of people. I've experienced a lot of people that have jumped into dance for the wrong reason and they sometimes get weeded out really quickly because they realize how much work it is, how much time it is, how much money is at risk, especially if you're organizing, you stand to lose a lot of money and they just can't handle handle it, right? And mm-hmm. I think even worse are the people that come into dance with good intentions and then slowly become worse. Like the attention gets to their head, the fame gets to their head. They're surrounded by people that are just going to tell them yes and affirm them with every single thing that they do. And so they start to get really cocky and they treat the people poorly around them. Like some of the, this is rumors I've only really heard about European teachers. I can't say this for as much in the US, but they'll get really big and then pick these brand new partners that have like barely any experience and they'll train them up and then they won't pay them even though they're billed as a couple right? so that's another and so point. yeah yes. so they'll build them as a couple and then the the usually this is a lead doing this to a follow right so the follow-up person is actively teaching and actively helping to sell the demos and market and they are all over the head the bills but they're being treated like an assistant and almost like a slave. Like you will work and you will produce and I will get the money. I will deal it out to you when I see fit, but you're not an equal human to me in this partnership. I have seen that a lot. I have seen- it's pretty bad. Yeah, I have seen follows get the shaft whenever it comes to payment, whenever they're providing the same amount of work to a partnership. Yep. I've Yeah, it's it's pretty bad for sure. So that, that's a it's- whole nother- that's a whole nother, I mean, that falls under instructor, but that's a whole nother sub topic within the instructor topic is the dynamic between the lead and the follow or the male and the female, depending on the partnership, yeah. whenever it comes to the follow or the lady getting paid money be or, or getting yeah. paid the same amount of money, you know? Yeah. And it's like, there's so many different reasons why that is harmful to the scene. One, it's so harmful to the follows. Like I've heard so many horrific trauma stories of situations like that where you're being taken to these countries 
that you don't know anybody, you don't speak the language, you don't have any direct connections with the organizer because your partner has made all of the business parts happen and you're at their beck and call. Like they're threatening you to cancel your flights out the country because you're not doing exactly what they say. So that's uh... one way. But the second way that I feel like it hurts and people don't speak up enough about this is that people get upset when they go to classes and people aren't being taught. The follows aren't being taught to. It's just a lead class and the follows are basically props, not really learning technique, even though the follows desperately need to learn the technique, right? Yeah. And so I would fault a lot of the, the lead instructors because they teach by themselves and they haven't properly learned the follow role enough to be able to actually teach how to do it, which is difficult to switch back and forth. I've done it between leading and following while teaching a class or... The second way is they pick somebody random out of a crowd to use as an assistant and then act like it's the same as having a female teacher alongside of them. And in that way, one, it diminishes the role of the female teacher or the follow teacher and how much work we put into our craft with studying and how much privates we've taken, the pedagogy we that we've developed, like all of that is diminished. And it also takes away from our ability to actually grow follows. It's ridiculous. It's so upsetting to me in so many ways. It hurts the scene on all levels. No, I agree. I agree with that like a thousand percent. On the organizers part of this, I will say this and then we can move on from organizers. If you are organizing, even if you're great, I would say strive to continue to grow. You're like, why is Archie talking about organizers? Like he knows how to organize. I organized events, not dance events, but I've organized many festivals and concerts and big events before I got into the dancing. So I understand it's extremely difficult. So what I'm saying is hopefully not taken as like a jab, but hopefully it's taken as an encouragement to keep growing. Like grab a book. There are so many solid books that you can read. Not only marketing, but leadership books. John Maxwell's a great author. Ooh, developing oh, the leader with you. Great, great author about developing leaders within, the, developing yourself as a leader, developing the leaders around you. So many different solid books that he has. Because leadership is a huge part of event organizing. You have to know how to inspire people, how to lead people, and how to make them feel like they want to jump on bored with what you're doing and then also marketing books you know uh, marketing books and then event organizing books just read some books you know that can help you develop at least if you want to take this event organizing thing a little further and seriously you know so that's all i'll say just try to grow in that as far to, as go ahead if i can add one other thing there are classes that you could take for free online in which um certain ivy leagues will give you a certificate afterwards on various topics and one of those topics tend to be marketing, organization, leadership, et cetera. So you can also do that as well. If maybe the book route isn't what you prefer, you prefer more interactive uh, learning, yeah. you can do that. For sure. As far as the follow thing, that's just, I concur so much with that because I've seen it so much. And I think that that, and then Jesse and Amber, y'all can speak on this more than me, but I think that. I don't know, man. It's like a it's a catch twenty twenty because you want to say follows be very picky about who you allow yourself to partner with. Like, don't just partner with anybody simply because they're big or or simply because they have a big name. Get some 
get somebody that you can grow with and be equal with as you guys are teaching and stuff like that. And I know the pushback to that is some follows would say, well, this is just going to get me in the door. You know, this is going to help me to get to where I want to get. And I'm like, man, that year or two years of hell, I just don't see it being worth it. It's just not worth it. I think, and this kind of, it's not the same, but this is where my mindset, so you can kind of see a little bit into my mindset as far as what I think whenever I say that I'm not saying that every single person that does anything should get paid cash. But I also think that a lot of people just devalue themselves whenever it comes to what they are providing. And so a lot of follows might be like, well, this is the beginning and I'm just trying to get my foot in the door and I'm just trying to do this. And I'm like, even if you are trying to get your foot in the door, getting your foot in the door does not mean being treated like crap is okay or being undervalued mm. is okay or being mm. not paid equal to the person that you're teaching with is okay so yeah like we all pay our dues and we all get our stripes but nowhere in any fashion does that mean paying your dues and getting stripes equals being treated like crap in my opinion it's just not what it means so i think that whenever you value yourself higher it helps you to not it helps you to pass up on stuff that is just not good for you you know Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that. And I remember being a young artist and just being so hungry to like hustle and be seen and move up in the ladder. And it's hard because it's not like a structured job where it's like, if you put this time in, you'll get these results. Nor is it really a place where people are generally open about their business dealings and they're not always willing to take on people to mentor, like apprentices in which they're willing to grow and shape. You know, like people are really picky about who they're putting their name in. So breaking your foot in the door is really difficult. And especially as a follow, because I just don't know that many organizers that are hiring solo primary follow people to teach classes. And it's a weird like imbalance when you step back and look at it, that they are so willing to hire leads that don't have a partner at all um, and never have and never will. But the same doesn't apply to follows, even though a lot of the follows I know can lead as well as follow, but not the same thing can be said about the leads at the same level. Like the follows that I know they can lead are proficient enough to really like lead and follow, like not do it as though if it's like a joke, you know what I'm saying? So it does suck, but there are ways that you can do it. And I'm saying this because I want you to know that if you start your career with the energy of being someone's like assistant and you're kind of just doing it for the publicity it shows and you're less likely to be respected as a teacher, as somebody that put their dues in and worked. You're just always going to be known as somebody's professional assistant. And the chances of you being hired after having that branding for two years are so low. You're going to have to fight your way up tooth and nail from the bottom. So instead of doing it that way, what I would recommend is collabing within your first year or two, getting a lot of demos out with a lot of leads that you know you're going to kill it with, like really look good. You're going to have to invest money in a really good videographer, which all of us have to do as artists. Like we all have to put a lot of money into like headshots and videography and whatever else. So every time you travel, link up with somebody that you know is going to be there and say, hey, I'm going to hire a videographer. 
wear these colored outfits and we're going to just shoot something real quick and start posting that and start getting a following and start getting people that are demanding to want to work with you. And once you start to get that following, you can start to collab and put yourself out there to organizers and say, hey, um, me and this other person are going to collab on some classes. Would you be interested in hiring us? And I think in that way, you'll gain a lot more respect and notoriety on top of attempting to teach weekly classes or throwing um, maybe intensives or trainings or whatever else, like get your teaching feet under you in a way that is like safe and local before you attempt to go out directly to Congresses. So that's my recommendation of how to get long lasting respect rather than like linking up to somebody and trying to ride their coattails. Um, so I have like, like three comments. One, how much to pay for a videographer? Because, you know, $50 is too much we haven't got <laughs> there yet we haven't got oh, there yet man. Oh, my man. Okay. you jumped the gun trigger happy like a mug no I appreciate it that, that was a joke oh. number two <laughs> yes week, week. number two I didn't know of one follow who really has more pull than guys who organizers consistently hire as a solo follow, and that is Bev Flowers. Mm. Have you all heard of her? She's like the Go compa off. lady. Yes. She actually operates like a man. Like she'll take the famous guys and just use them in her demos <laughs> <laughs> and post them on her page. And then no they way. repost her. And then, you know, her her um, following just grows and grows and grows because she does that. But I actually followed her from the time when she had, like, 2,000 followers. And now she has, like, I don't know, almost 100,000. And it was in, like, the span of one, two years that she blew wow. up. Nice. Right. But <laughs> what she did was she's incredibly sexy. But honestly, like, in person, she's very introverted. She's, like, very shy and quiet and introverted. But she's very sexy. Her social media is on point. She's like always posting videos, always doing demos. And yeah, she collabs with guys. She just always makes sure she looks good. She hires professional videographers for her thing. Or even if they're not, like sometimes I'm sure it was just an iPhone video. But yeah, that's exactly what she did, what Jesse said. And she, like I said, she is, she's literally, she just got off a tour in India. Just doing wow. compa. She's a woman. She don't have no partner. Right, only, That's dope. The only two that I can think of, and I think they're in their journey as becoming solo artists who were previously partnered with male lead teachers, Jessica Lambden and Paloma mm -hmm. Alves. Sure. The, those are the only two that I can think of off the top of my head right now that have the following and Obviously, the ability, the, the talent, the networking and social media presence as well. But you know what's ironic Cause I, and I, about those two? And I was going to say this even before you said that. I know a few follows that their partnerships ended. They didn't just diminish. And I think that the thing that ties them all together is within their partnerships, they were looked at as equal to the lead yes. that they were dancing with. Yeah, uh, yes. Like people wanted to see the follow just as much as they wanted to see the lead. And I don't know the ins and yeah. outs of all these partnerships, but from the ones that I do know and that I have worked with, whether it be 
via having them in our music videos. Like we, I had, ironically, I had William and Paloma and Jessica mm-hmm. and Henry in one of our music videos. And I and considered Pam. them, and I had Pam and Audie in one of, and like multiple music videos. Yeah. And all of those partnerships, for the most part, obviously all partnerships go through up and downs and they're human, you know, so they have disagreements and stuff. But for the most part, people viewed them as equal. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. It wasn't like, oh, where's William? Oh, who's his partner again? No, it was like Paloma. Everybody knows who Paloma is, mm-hmm. you know, like even Pam. Pam is in demand, bro. Oh, Whenever it, bro. When it comes to being booked, this girl is bro. literally a solo the truth. instructor getting booked all around the world, period. That's one of my really good friends. And so I'm always like, when are we going to hang out? And she's like, let me look at my calendar and I'll schedule it. All right, whatever. You got to schedule, come visit your freaking people in Houston. Okay. But like, I get it. Cause she's like on the grind, but she's a solo, she's a solo female teacher. And so I think that it's possible, but I a hundred percent jump on the back of Jesse whenever she says everything that she just said and gave all of that solid advice about Mm -hmm. how to do that and not diminish your, reputation or to do something that is below what you are valued at you know yeah and I want to be clear I'm not like when I said my first first piece of advice it wasn't geared towards like everyone that oh you're in a partnership and like if you leave the partnership you're like washed up and you're nothing right because I was in a partnership and I had to learn how to be a solo artist and you know Pam was in a partnership and she had to learn to be a solo artist and I think that I've seen a lot of different journeys play out well and then not play out well at the end and the ones that are the most successful like Archie said are the ones that work to build their own selves up as teachers and to work on their training, right? Like really make sure that you are your own whole person within this partnership and that your contributions are known and seen and that you know every single part of what is going on in your business from top to bottom. You need to know how bookings work. You need to know your rates. You need to know marketing. You need to know how to break into the market and start those conversations. You need to know how to handle negotiations. You need to know all of it. Like what, how do you make videos? How do you post them? Like how, what works in social media? What doesn't work? Like just don't let yourself be caught dry at the end of it because you put your faith in somebody else. Because when you leave the partnership, you will have the opportunity to explode. And so that's what I really feel like I want to get across is like the ones that go into partnerships, just focusing on the dance portion and just looking good in the demos and whatever else might not have the easiest experience within the partnership nor afterwards. Also, ladies, make sure you have your own contract separate from the guys, because if y'all do break up, he will just have control over all the contracts and he can just say, oh, well, I'm just going to get someone else, but I'll still be there. So have your own contract. Especially because these organizers aren't just most of them are not looking to book you for one year. The contract might be from year to year. However, they're looking to keep you on the rotation three to four times. If you're really somebody that's going to bring people, like the organizers would like a sense of security and knowing that they know what kind of numbers are coming in from year to year. So make sure that you are also making contact with that organizer. So should your partnership end, 
you still have that good networking relationship with that organizer. So you don't just get kicked off of every festival that you've ever been booked for. So we already talked about DJs as far as getting paid. So I don't know if we want to reiterate that. But if you haven't heard that, go listen to part one and part two of Everybody Wants to Be a DJ. I don't remember what episode that was. It was like six and seven or five and six or something like that. So I was just going to throw out there that I think this is something that I've seen at festivals. I'm not really sure how it works, but the AV guys, and I'm not talking about like the DJs or anything. I'm talking about the people that come in, set up the equipment, set up the wires, like make sure everything's put together correctly. I know for a lot of festivals that that's kind of included in the pre-festival, post-festival teardown. And they'll kind of find somebody that has some experience in setting up speakers and all the other stuff to like hook it up. But in my opinion, that should be paid. I've been to so many festivals where like the speakers are like tweaking out, the lights mysteriously turn on and off, the wires aren't taped to the floor correctly. So people are tripping all over them. And I think that is such an important factor in setting the mood for the night or me as an instructor not having to fight with the system so I can play music in class. So I think they need to get paid. From what I, I, go ahead. No, I was just saying, so definitely like, you know, for Zook Heat, they had DJ Herc, Hercules, yeah. And his whole entertainment company set up there. So I'm pretty sure she had, Trista had him this year. And, and I think when I taught back in like 2019 as well. So like Trista has her, 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 her T's, her T's crossing her eyes dotted and whatnot. Even the floors themselves are also, yeah, dance jam. So that's, Mm -hmm. They're paid for setup and teardown yeah. as well as rental. Like a lot of these equipment, whether they be floor, speakers, wires, they're rental. So they have to be, you have to pay them for that. And I assume also in addition, setup labor as well as. Nuh-uh. No, there are I think... definitely volunteers that do floor teardown. So, so, so there's a difference. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a difference between a volunteer that is not a part of the company yeah. versus someone who is hiring a company to come in and bring their equipment and set up with labor. So yeah, you might like have, I don't know if there's 10 people working, you might have five actual paid guys and then five guys who are just jumping in and out and helping where they can. But the yeah. brunt of that work is being done by the actual company, at least for these large events. I'm not talking about like a, a weekender or some event that doesn't have like a huge system. If, if it's a weekender and they got like two subs and two mains or something like that, that might be kind of, and it's in like a small room or, or or a studio, that might be kind of different. But if you're talking about those double rooms with a huge floor and a row of speakers and like six subs, oh yeah, they getting paid because that's a company. That's a company <laughs> yeah. that's bringing equipment out and labor and setting up mm-hmm. and stuff. And if it's an event that's that large, specifically Congress style events that isn't hiring then you are shooting yourself in the foot because your music is 100% the most important thing about your event, period, over everything else, over everything else. Another plug, just another reminder, please, people, do not put your drinks on these speakers. Oh, good Lord. Just another reminder, do not put, because some of these organizers have to replace these things. And that's not fair to them. And eventually, y'all will see that because they're going to start charging the price up of these tickets. So these tickets that are $250, let them know how much these speakers are. Let them know how much one of those speakers costs. I mean, you look like at e- oh, easily. Yeah, yeah. Up there. 5K? 
Yeah, easily. Um, you know, and and that's and and that is the speaker's worth itself. Obviously, to rent, they're not gonna charge you what it is to buy. But if it's damaged there at your event, then that person that you rented from is going to charge you because there's somewhere in that contract that you signed where it talk unless you just like got insurance or something like that, you are going to have to come out of pocket to replace those pieces of equipment whenever it comes to them being damaged by something like that. You can put this on your list on how to have home training. Don't leave your drinks on the speakers. Bruh, don't, don't. Do, don't do because it. what they're going to end up doing is roping off the whole stage area where y'all like to sit and nobody's going to be able to sit up there. And I know y'all going to be mad. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Organizers, I'm going to speak to you again right quick and I'm going to help you out. I made a post about this. Rope off the stage as if it was Ooh. a concert see it already you know happened. how you know how when you go to concerts and there's that gigantic bowling ball looking dude standing between the crowd and the stage <laughs> the bouncer yeah. do you want dance events <laughs> to turn into that and all of you people that get a buzz off of standing up by the dj booth or coming up to the booth or whatever like you're not gonna be able to do that because guess what there's gonna be a rope around all of the stage and around all of the speakers and there's going to be a guy there in between the stage and the speakers and he's not going to let anybody through and to be honest with you i think that that's a good idea because these pieces of equipment are just too expensive and people don't get it they don't understand it or they just don't know or they're not listening whatever it doesn't matter it's all bad because whatever the reason that you're not getting it somebody's still having to come out of pocket and pay a bunch of money for something that they weren't expecting to pay for on top of an already expensive dance event um can i just make can i advocate for like banning drinks from the ballroom instead because the stage area is the best place for a fit check that is where the girls go to show off like you know how you used to go to the pencil sharpener to like show off your new kicks or your like your new outfits or whatever the that's what the stage shop. is it's the runway area so please don't gate it off like just ban drinks first since no, you no, we, 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 what about the we need the water though we gotta have the water on it go to your room since you <laughs> people just, see my outfits <laughs> Since you bring it up high school, what happens whenever one person ruined it for everybody? Exactly. That's what happened. So this it's is done. what's happening. It's, it's done. No. Yo, there's so many videos. There's so many videos where, where it'll say like specifically no drinks on the DJ booth. And then the video camera will show the half the table just has drinks on it. I'm stopping the music. Or I'm throwing these drinks away. Whichever one is gonna piss you off the most. Yeah. <laughs> so I I think that that's a good idea, organizers. You can say you don't want to do it. Maybe whenever a little bit more expensive equipment gets broken, you'll right. kind of jump on the idea. So yeah, that record scratched like skirt and it's like yep. start talking to the crowd, bro. <laughs> so bad. I see yep. one, two, three, four drinks right next to you. Yeah, we ain't moving these drinks now. The music ain't gonna start. Archie and then you just just, just point at somebody random. Just blame it. Archie's on somebody just random. really skipped to like he skipped over angry black dad and went straight to like angry black grandpa. He's gonna stop this. The record is gonna be a record scratch and be like, now I know. 
I don't see no drinks on the speaker. <laughs> now we not going nowhere hey. <laughs> until y'all clean these Honestly, drinks up off my speaker. <laughs> sometimes people respond more, people respond better to being angry than they would with kindness. So you got to treat them <laughs> like how they want to be treated and just yell at these people and cut off the music because clearly they don't want the music. They, they really not trying to dance because if they want to dance, they would be out here listening and abiding to these rules and not damaging equipment, which they will then have to eventually pay for because their tickets are $400, $500 because organizers is tired of bullshit. Plus, it's just wild whenever it's not just the organizer's equipment that's getting messed up. But if there's drinks all over the table, there's a likelihood that it could spill on one of the DJ's equipment that they're bringing from their own personal stuff regardless of the price of somebody's equipment, it's still their thing that they've paid for and you're not going to pay them. You're not going to pay them. If your drink spills on their equipment, you're not about to chalk up money. So just, just be respectful and don't do that. All right. So let's go ahead and dive into the meat of this conversation. And I don't know if somebody wants to do backstory or if we just want to go straight into it, but let's talk about videographers and photographers, but let's talk specifically about videographers first. I, I, I literally don't even understand what's going on. Like, I don't understand <laughs> all of this obsession and like, yeah, so I'm just going straight into it. We've seen some shit on Facebook and the uh, Zook nerds where a certain individual brought up a whirlwind of commentary from other people by stating and this is me giving the abridged version um that paying for video there are certain videos that are just too expensive for them to to pay for and that either it should be a cheaper or free model and that brought up a lot of people asking why would that be the case and this person being a teacher and so on traveling out uh, all about and now they the community's asking Yo, what's good with what's up with this and so on so we're here to discuss let me ask some questions because i'm gonna need to really understand what this is because this mm -hmm. is foreign to me just so we're clear this is uniquely a zook thing okay so i'm what i'm getting from this is that a social dancer that is not a teacher was upset because a videographer was taking uh, the candid nighttime social videos of people dancing. And instead of publishing them for free, like they do in every other dance genre, you people charge money for these. And you're charging <laughs> $50 for like three minutes of footage is what nah, I'm guessing we, right we, now. We, we, and that's what she's saying is too expensive. I'm, help me understand. Because I want to know. You know what? A First of all, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Amber. Salsa, Say it. Salsa Say does it, it too. Thank you, because I was I was just about to say something about that. Fine. Yeah, what's as well? It's, it's literally not just Brazilian fine. Zook. It's Some anybody that's making videos with cameras. Socials. She's gonna that's try to fine. limit it to Brazilian that's Zook. Fine. Like, Get out of here. Because this is the first time I've heard this pop off. Like this is like very it's... new to me. Like the kids crowd is for sure sitting over here with the popcorn light. Ooh. All I'm saying well, is it's not just Brazilian Zook. Go ahead, Jamil. Okay. No, I was gonna say, well, the I believe the videographer that has been referred to, I mean, there's a few of them actually, but they're, both of them are professionals. I think there's like one, one guy right now that's not a professional or whatever, right? But like all of their, all their prices are a little, you know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna lie. It's a little, it's a little high, but I mean, the prices are what the prices are, you know what I mean? People gonna so pay. You... If you really want it, people gonna pay. 
what are you getting when you pay this $50? What's included? Okay, so first of all, I think that before we even get into that, you got to get down to the root principle of the fact that when it comes to anybody's business, nobody has the right to tell anybody what they should be charging. Agreed. Period. That's my personal opinion. If you don't like the price, don't pay it. Because it's priced that way for a reason, because some people are obviously paying it. If this person Mm -hmm. has been doing it for a certain period of time, if not, just like anything else, like when you have your freaking, we we tour a car, right? It's set at a price. We don't get bookings for a while. What do we do? We lower the price. Like that's like, that's the, obviously they're getting paid and they're traveling and they're getting their equipment and all this stuff. So there, people are paying for it. So I think that yeah. even more than like, we can get into what all you get and other, et cetera. But I think that even if it was, and I'm not saying that it's this, even if it was, I film you and then I do nothing. I don't even look at it. I don't even look at the video. I just filmed you with my camera and now here's the video. Even if I charge you $50 for that, that's my price. And if you don't like it, don't pay it. I just personally don't think it's fair for somebody to do that. That's the that, that's my like basis thoughts on that. Uh, I don't agree with that. I think that's too much of a blanket statement. And I don't think it allows for nuance because I think there are people that are charging for things that are not maybe a adequate for the service that they're providing. So maybe this isn't the case for the videographers because I've no I'm seriously lacking context, but I think that's a really big blanket statement to make. Um and I think that people take advantage of other people when you say stuff like that, especially if it's a monopoly situation. So then mm-hmm. speak so then let's speak specifically about the videographer then since that's the topic that we're talking about. So let's speak specifically about the videographer. So I'm gonna need to know more things just off that. So Number one. Extra questions because yeah, I'm trying to understand. Qu- no, ask ask them. Go ahead. So number one, is this videographer hired by the organizer? Are you talking about in this specific situation? Whatever hypothetical situation we're talking about. Oh, no. So I think it, the answers change if they are hired by the event versus not. Okay. So the, let's say they aren't hired from the event. Let's say that if one they, first. Okay. So if they're not hired from the event, this is my opinion of the best way that this should be handled. I think that this person needs to pay a vendor ticket because now you're providing a service at an event Mm. and it's really disrespectful for you to make money off of somebody else's event that you are not contributing to as a business person. So you need to establish a vendor ticket. You need to establish a vendor table where people can see your prices and understand what is happening before you start filming them without their direct consent. And in this way, this becomes like a souvenir that you can take after the festival. But that's if you're charging money and you are not hired by the festival, you're not directly hired by the festival to work. Jesse, then you can make the argument, all these instructors who just pop up at these events who are not hired by the event, they just pop up and they be given private. Do they have to purchase a vendor pass too? But that's but that's been an argument. Like there have been festivals that have been like you are not allowed to give privates unless you are hired by the festival, or you are not allowed to give privates unless you are a special guest invited. Like that's been an argument in the scene for a while. But like, how do you approach that? But but to to piggyback on Amber's question, in this specific situation, are you saying that the instructor should have to pay a vendor fee as well if they're not hired from the event? I think that. 
I'm not saying they need to pay a vendor fee, but what instructors will usually do is be like, look, I'll come social dance this amount of hours with the attendees as though if I was a taxi dancer in exchange, let me do privates. Uh, no, they don't. They, they, they yes, don't. They, do. they don't do that. I, I, they don't do I, that. I, they, I've never heard that either. But I, they don't. Thinking maybe not. Jesse had a different they, experience than I, I, I'm outside. I'm here. I see them. They don't do it. What? Are you, I, I, okay. I see so them. how about this? How about oh, this? Oh. The people that I know that are teachers within the kids scene. I don't know who y'all hanging around, but my <laughs> people go yes. about things respectfully okay so jesse once again the question what? the question what? do instructors that do not get hired from the event have to pay a vendor fee in the same way that a videographer would in this situation that's my question i think, I think you owe some sort of exchange to the organizer i think you need to make a deal with the organizer that they are somehow getting money off of this because you are vending i don't know if you need to pay a full-on vendor fee but you gotta do something so what about, well, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. What about the idea that like I post that I'm coming to your event, uh, therefore I could, my presence could possibly bring and attract more attendees or, or if I'm a, a videographer that just randomly shows up and decides to start selling shirts at your event. And then I also ask for a free pass, but like, what about my videos? I post videos that are really nice of social dancers or the Jack and Jill or whatever. And that also is like free marketing for your free marketing for oh. your event. That's so. fine. But that just needs to be worked out amongst the organizer because there's a lot of people that are like, I'm known. But then when it comes down to push and shove, it's like only two people bought tickets under your name or because of your influence. So, so I think that like we're bouncing around a bunch, but yeah. if, if I, I agree with Jamil whenever he says, a videographer filming people at an event, and we're talking specifically about the organizer to the videographer relationship, not the people yet, but a yeah. videographer that's video that's shooting videos at an event and putting the event's thumbnail on the video and then not being hired, that is going to do way more for marketing than somebody showing up and teaching privates that is never like online or anything like that. It's just going to do way more for the event organizer. So in actuality, it's almost like the event organizer should be, they're getting more from the videographer than they're getting from somebody showing up doing privates. And Listen, I'm not disagreeing about that. But what I'm saying is that if you're, if somebody is put together a like, say like a street market or like a vendor fair or whatever else, and you charge everybody rentals to be able to make money off of the situation that you have made, right? Which is this gathering of people that are all interested in the same stuff and are willing to spend money. So if you've brought them all together and everyone else there is paying money to sell their stuff and you're making a lot more money than everyone else, but you're not contributing back into the event. Like you're at this street market, maybe everyone else is selling t-shirts and they paid like $300 for their tickets, but you're selling, selling out of your backpack and you're making four times as much without having to pay the booth fee. Is that fair? You as, have to put back into the organizer's pocket. If you are taking out from that event, I'm sorry. It usually it, depends on what that agreement between the organizer and, yeah, and that videographer. And usually in those cases, um, minus the ones where the they just pull up and say, "Hey, I got this with me." Da da da. Usually, those there are certain deliverables that need to be met, and there are certain negotiations between the organizer and the and the freelance videographer for the for photographer that gets agreed upon. Hey, you give me this, and then 
you can go about to receiving your payment, however that may be, whether it be exactly. true being paid directly or they go and get that money. But in either of those cases, um, should they pay a vendor fee? I, if that is agreed, if that is what's agreed upon between the organizer and the videographer, sure. But also that also means if it's not, if they say, no, you don't have to do that, but go ahead and give me 200 videos for, for the, for the event, then, Hey, that's fine. I, yeah. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Like you just clear it with the organizer first. Maybe okay. you have to say, you know what? Usually, you don't have to ask. Usually you don't have it's to clear. do anything. You just go. Like a lot of the artists that you're kind of talking about are usually artists that have like talked to the organizer and they said, Hey, I'm coming through. Is it cool if I do some privates? And they're like, Yeah, go ahead. You're my girl. I know you're gonna bring people and it's gonna be lit. Like you just have to have the conversation. Don't just <laughs> show up and assume that that this is gonna be okay. Because now yeah. you've put the organizer in a weird spot. Say you're selling something that's competing against something that's already being offered. Say you're a videographer coming in. You've only paid your entrance fee for the socials. You haven't even paid that much money. And now you're competing against the organizer that's actually, or the photographer or the videographer that's actually hired for the event. Right. Like, is that yeah. fair? Communication has to happen regardless. Well, I agree with, with that. Communication. That's all 100... I'm saying. Just communicate. I don't think that's all you were saying. However... What? I agree. Aren't you hiking? Because you literally didn't, you said something different. You said, What that, did I say? You said they should pay a vendor fee. You said that straight up. I said, but what I clarified later is that you okay. need to have some sort of exchange with the organizer. There needs okay. to be something that they're getting out of this, and that needs to be communicated. Okay. I didn't just say pay a vendor fee. Okay, gotcha. So, come on, biscuit head, let's go. I'm trying to back <laughs> off and not keep going. But you just keep on doing that. Um, you know what? Usually our podcasts be a little peaceful. If y'all want to have at it, y'all can have at it. It's their turn to go he at it. He told me, I feel like the exact quote from earlier was bring the heat. The heat has been brought. So let's go. No pun intended. I'm here to just have this conversation. Jesse want to fight, but what? it's okay. So so here's so here's the deal. Here's oh. the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Communication has to happen. That's specifically between the organizer and the videographer. Now we yeah. step into, and we're still talking about somebody who's not hired from the event. We'll get into their hired from the event in a second. Now let's step into the relationship between the videographer and the people that are attending the event. Okay, so let's go with that. I mean, what 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 are we what are we talking here though? I mean, like just so regular social dances because. I feel like everybody, for the most part, everybody likes to be video and recorded, right? They like, for the most part, they like to see their dances. Some don't. It's yeah, weird. Don't, it's it's sure. weird. It's weird because is the event a public space? Yeah. Is that what is it considered a public space? Public? No, you're I'm, paying I'm, to be in there. Because it is a public space. Is it Amber? Okay. Amber is shaking her head. Yes, it's a public space. It will be like going to it's, the park or going to. Private, it will be like going to a, a theme park. It's a private event. Is it like going to a theme park? I mean, yeah, in the way that like you pay in order to be there. It's not it's not public like if anybody any, can't walk in. Yeah, if any member of the public can buy a ticket, which they can for the most part, it's a public event. So it's yeah. only private if it's like a private wedding, like only invited people can come. Oh, okay. gotcha. So Damn, this okay, is a good this is a good go. sum up. So I that means corrected. at public events in the same way at the airport, at the park at a theme park, if you so happen to get caught on somebody's photo or video, that is not like, it's not against the law. You can't exactly. get mad at them or have them take that down because you are now in a public space. Right. So like people, people that compare, like people buy a ticket to get on the plane. 
you think you bought a ticket, but it's still considered a public. So that's a, it's, that's a good analogy. So you can't compare intentional videographing to like accidental footage. Like if I walked through and I, said that I was going to put somebody in my movie and be like, hey, I'm going to put you in my movie and make money off of this. But they didn't consent to doing that. That's not the same. So with these events, they have um, waivers for media, which people sign or which people sign or agree upon the moment they buy that pass. It's in the waiver here. You, you agree to that any video that you're in or media, it's ownership of the event. So all the people, and I, I'm not downplaying their personal uh, desires. I'm not downplaying yeah. it. But what I am saying is, I guess like a, a better piece of advice so it, down, so it doesn't sound like I'm just coming down is maybe read and understand what you're signing before you purchase something. Because a lot of people are saying, if I don't want to be filmed, like don't film me. When in actuality, if they want to film you because you didn't sign this, they technically have the right to do so. And you can't get upset about it. I mean, you can get upset, but by the legal stuff, you they you can't just say, no, you can't post that. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. to interject real quick. When If you are upset by that, usually you could just hit up the photographer or organizer and they'll take your video down. No yeah, because they're cool. Because they're cool True. and, and yeah. they'll do that, you know? Whenever it comes to a videographer that's not hired and then they step into a venue and now they're filming people and because they're not making money from the organizer or even if they are, but that's not where we're there. That's not where we're at yet because they're not making money from the organizer. Now they're charging people that they've had videoed. And I've seen this painted and y'all can interject, but I've seen it painted to where people are saying I'm dancing and then they film me and then they tell me. I just filmed you. So now you got to pay me for the video. Like to what? me, that's such a, I don't think that that's true. I mean, maybe that's some people's experience, but I, in my opinion, in my opinion and in my experience and what I've seen, I think it's more like, I just filmed a gang of videos. They are posted on my site if you want them. And then mm -hmm. you go on the site and you go to click on them and then you see, oh, these cost money. But it's not like, it, it's not like I filmed you and I'm like, Hey, you need to pay me because I just did the service of filming you. I don't think that it's like that. I mean, okay, listen, y'all know this is just like back in the day we used to go to the club. There used to be somebody <laughs> taking a picture, and then he'd print out the picture and show you in front of your gal, and you, you gotta got buy it because you gotta look like you got money. This is the same <laughs> thing. They just trying to hustle. They just trying yeah. to like get something that you might <laughs> want real, real quick. This is the okay. same thing. It's nothing new. Nobody not had a problem with it back then. I don't see why people have a problem with it now. Shit, when you go to Six Flags, you got paid the picture on the amusement park. Thank you. you. Hey, but do you do you pay that picture? You don't have no, to. Then you don't you get the picture. You, do. you don't get it's it. Like, just yeah. a souvenir. It's that's just true. a souvenir. Which, which is yes. true. That's it's true. It's, that's, it's true. It's true. But like, when you want, if you don't got it, either you don't pay it and you don't get it, or yeah. You could go hit these organizers, videographer. You hit up the videographer, tell me your situation, say your money not right right now, it's a little tight. Mm -hmm. Explain to them, and then y'all could work something out. Whether that may be social media marketing for them, or sharing, or just giving some appreciation, or maybe y'all work at a cost or rate that works for y'all. That's fine. But all these videographers, I mean, for the most part, are human. 
So you could go talk to them if 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 the price is not right for you or you just don't get it. And and, and if you don't want a professional video, then get somebody to film it for you on your iPhone. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you don't want it, <laughs> if you don't want it, and 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 I have had many videos filmed for me on my phone. And I mm-hmm. will say this, in my opinion, even how as how good as the iPhone is, for the most part, there's exceptions, but for the most part, it doesn't it's the quality is just not going to be the same as like a really dope professional videographer that's moving around, that's doing something to the video for you after. And that is using their professional equipment that they have. Like these iPhone cameras are freaking filming movies. They're they're oh, crazy. They're yeah. dope, you know. But I think a lot of people also downplay not only the camera, but the training and the skill that the videographer that's holding the camera has whenever it comes to all this stuff. So if you don't want to pay the money for it, then just get somebody to film it on your phone. And then you'll have the video of, your, of it on your phone, you know. I, yeah, I think that it's so interesting because I think that a lot of times in the same way with DJing, a lot of times people only see the product and they don't see all of the stuff that comes with the product, whether it be the training that the person went through, all of the equipment that the person bought, all of the, uh, like all of the computer screen. Yeah. Like all that, man, to be honest, I think videographers and not just in the dance scene, but just in general, they're like one of the most underappreciated art professions or whatever. Because, I mean, I used to film weddings for, for like a couple of years. I filmed weddings for a living. And literally, if you film a four-hour wedding, you're going through to make like a five-minute video and you're going through four hours of footage. So you're sitting at the house just going through footage. Now, that's a lot different than this, filming a social dance. But my point is, it's still the same principle. Also, if you do not want to be recorded, there are certain areas in the room like the back back corner away from the DJ booth that usually does not get much visibility. So I, if you do want to get recorded, be closer to the DJ booth that you will usually get recorded. Here's how I see it. I feel like this is almost the same situation that the photographers have. And this is like what I feel like the ideal setup should be is the photographers will come They're obviously there to take pictures for the event, but they also offer like photo shoots on the side that you can pay for because people want specific like little pictures or whatever else. Videographers, I feel like have the same thing where it's, yes, it's going to be so different taking pictures on your iPhone versus like a professional camera with the lighting, with someone who's trained, with somebody who can edit. And I feel like it is worth the money. If you really want to have that dance video and that memory, or if you need it for marketing, it's definitely worth the investment. Where I feel like the breakdown happens is in the communication and the advertising of of it. Because I feel like it's not universal, at least in my experience, that you have to pay money at every single event to get social dancing videos of yourself. And so I feel like we either need to like establish some industry standards so that everyone everyone knows what to expect no matter what event they go to. Or it needs to be heavily advertised ahead of time, which is what photographers will do. And they'll be like, hey, just so you know, we're charging for social dance videos. Make sh- you know this many for this many minutes worth of social, social dance video by professional videographer. Um, and just having that in their head, I feel like will ease a lot of this like explosive energy that comes afterwards of like, surprise, this was actually for money, you know? I think 
there actually might be a difference in the way they're hired between photographers and videographers. I feel like photographers tend to get hired and there's get that specific like that specific thing. And then videographers, at least from what I've seen, they tend to be more freelance. And then there's certain agreements between the organizer on what should happen. Well, I know, I know Pete, they do hire videographers the same as they hire photographers. It's like part of the right. quote unquote media team. Yeah. So but this person on Facebook, it seemed like she was like, oh, there are just so many videos of me. I can't afford them all. That's the vibe I got from this particular Ooh. post. Word. What? And, yeah, that's, that's literally what she said, I, I believe, like, low-key word for word. And she was like, y'all are charging 50 for one but if y'all charge 20 for one i would buy three and you would get more money so therefore you need to lower your prices well they have discounts called available if y'all need to lower the price uh, but that that goes back to what i what i was talking about like i personally don't think that is right for somebody to tell somebody how much they should charge for something when it comes to that that yeah, specific I, thing you know hearing it in that tone i definitely agree like you don't get to march into somebody else's business and be like yeah this is too much i would buy four of these if you lowered your price like who are you bro will we ever <laughs> make a whole we, post about it will we ever tell a teacher yo your private is too much lower that shit to like 70 not not even 70 50 and, 30 dollars like no and the, that shit. and the crazy thing is is people even including us, we've talked about how privates can be hella expensive, mm -hmm. but we're still yeah. not like, yo, you need to lower your private so that I can learn from you. You know, you need to lower mm -hmm. your private so that I can, so that you can teach me. I mean, we, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, I, I have this, I understand, I understand and agree with market value and all that stuff, et cetera, et cetera. I, I get it. And I hope that does, that doesn't sound contradicting, but at the same time, I also believe in like if it's your business for, for the most part it's not right for somebody to just boldly approach you and just be like you need to lower your prices honestly if somebody were to come up to me as a teacher and be like look i really want to learn from you but i'm having financial difficulty and i can't like afford your private i would be willing to work something out that's but if different people people that come up in my inbox being like Oh, you charge too much. Like, do you know this other person's charging less? I block them. Like, honestly, I don't have time for you. I would pay you to go away at this point because there are actually a lot of people out there that are willing to pay, pay my prices. And it's not based off of whether you can afford it or not. It's based off of what I'm providing, period. That's yeah. it right there. So That's let's it. 100% facts. So let's talk about now the, uh, the videographer or photographer is hired by the event how does the dynamic change because i think that there are some that come in and they're not hired but if we're honest unless y'all differ in this opinion most of the time if a videographer is coming and working they're hired from the event like it's more likely that the person that's videoing there is actually being hired from the event organizer versus somebody who just showed up so how does the dynamic change whenever obviously we don't need to talk about the organizer videographers mm. relationship because they're they're hired so they're paying them whatever but let's talk about how that dynamic changes between the event between the videographer and the attendee 
So we're and saying, they're still charging for videos, right? And it, in it, this it, scenario? I, I don't think they're charging for videos in that scenario. At least I don't think they would because they directly receiving their payment from the organizer. So that's what I'm wh- trying to figure out. Like, yeah, whoever are they, wherever are content, they charging? No, uh, I've I've not seen it. So let I me don't, ask Archie. So, is, in this scenario, are they charging for videos? So let's talk about the scenario because I'm not gonna go out <laughs> and say because I don't know the ins and out of people's dealings fair, whenever it fair, comes true, to true, these true, events. True, 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 so let's just talk in hypothetical. In hypothetical, they're hired from the event. What is your thoughts on should they charge or should they not charge the attendees? And then let's go from there. I think it's double dipping to charge the attendees. I'm sorry. I find that weird. I feel like a lot of the organizers are hiring you to provide videos, not just of like the demos, but of the night social as well, which means that a lot of you are providing this footage to the organizer. And that's like, they get to do with it what they will. It's now the kind of their property because they've hired you to produce this for them. But then to sell it again on the back end to the user i feel like that's double dipping i find that so uncomfortable so you said your response to that now does the person's contract depend on the answer to that question so if they're like i'm hiring you to give me three recap videos per day not to film people social dancing specifically because we all i mean if you don't know me filming for a recap video is different than me filming somebody do a full social dance. So yeah. does the contract that they have between them and the organizer cause anything different to be taking place when it comes to that? Mm, that's a good question. I think it comes down to intellectual property and whose property is it after the festival? Were you, when you were hired for the festival, does the organizer get rights to everything that you've taped over the course of the weekend? Or do you still retain the intellectual rights to that property? Because if you, I assume that it becomes property of the festival with the way that it's tagged down and everything else. So if you're selling it to the festival as their property, but then charging the attendees as well and telling them now it's your property as well, but it's the same video footage, like it becomes weird and sticky, right? Um, I believe it still is the property of the person who did the photography or videography. Because remember that time? From I do remember to- that. I remember I that. I do remember. I remember exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in one <laughs> There was a photographer. We're not going to name names, but anyway, we like the Gizomba community of savages, and we started making memes about people at the dance event. And she was like, I don't want my pictures to be used in that way. Stop making memes or I'm going to sue you. And we're like, girl, this wasn't a new publicity. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, and 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 she almost got memed. But anyway, she was hired from one kids and she still owned the right to her photos. And she was correct. Yes. Legally, she did still own the right to her photos. Yeah. It's all about the contract stuff, you know, like how it's right. worded in the contract between the organizer and the videographer. And I would yeah. and I would go on a limb to say most of these videographers and photographers, if they're worth their weight in gold, are not just handing out contracts that say you own the right to everything that I just did. Even if it's not in a contract, that is you as 
copyright intellectual okay. property law. So it has nothing mm. to do with the contract. They still retain the rights of their pictures. Okay, gotcha. So they okay, can so turn around like my, and do that. Yeah, I feel like my stance changes on it. Like if it's squarely the photographer, videographer's property, then I just feel like the communication is key. I feel like setting up people's expectations is key. Like you need to understand that this belongs to the photographer. If you would like access to it, you need to pay for it. And once right. we set those expectations, I feel like a lot of the problems go away. That's fair. That's so let's fair. say we set those expectations, but the person who made that post is they, they're still gonna have that same stance because the prices are still the same. Well, people gonna be even with and complaining even with the about, communication though. People gonna be bitching, complaining about shit. I, at some point, you just say wipe. You like wipe your hands and you like, hey, ain't ain't no we could do about it. That's right. it. The price, the price. Either pay it or don't pay it, and that's fine. I feel like if we established all the rules, then that's very much a you problem. Yeah. Um, I know that it's frustrating because as I know for myself, videography is one of the most frustrating parts of being an artist because you know that there's going to be a professional photographer, a videographer there to film your demo. And we know that some of the biggest marketing that artists can get is through demos being shared and viewed and whatever else. So you'll rely and you'll wait for the videographer to like film and whatever else, but then the organizer never drops the demo. And now you've missed like basically an entire weekend's worth of work and marketing because the demo just never gets dropped. And mind you, there's a certain period in which the demo stays fresh. If yep. it's like not published within the first three months of it being taken, Jesus, I've already moved time. on. My that's... style has like changed. I've evolved. And that's happened three to me for months. so many festivals. That's a problem. Are you, Yo, are time out. So You're telling me festivals. that they've gone three months without posting your demo from I'm event? telling you, I'm telling you that there are festivals that hold demos and never drop them. There are certain artists that just don't get to see their demos without any explanation as to why. Contract that's... update for artists. A hundred percent. This is a side note. Artists, teachers, if you you need to have in your contract updates that you need to have access to the demos from your workshops. Word. And that way it's made clear because that's ridiculous. That's another level of ridiculousness. Yeah, no, 100%. Months. That, also, go ahead. It shouldn't take what the time, whatever, whatever the time is to get to edit, prepare and dot, 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 et cetera. That should be also stated within the agreement between the organizer and so on, whatever deadlines they have to meet. But yeah, the artists, you should get your demos, you should get your videos, and then also don't forget, use your social media and post that shit, because y'all be, well, be keeping that. Well, when you look at how <laughs> demos are posted, oh, cool. a lot of those demos are not posted by the artist. They're, no, posted they're posted by, by the, the event, event for sure. So that it goes back to the event page. So it's, it's, and they can't flood the event page by posting all of the artist demos within the first week. So usually what they'll do is week by week, they'll drop a demo. And so you're just kind of chilling there being like, okay, maybe they'll drop mine this week. It's not like they hand out a schedule and be like, you can expect to see your demo by this date. It's just like, you're kind of sitting there hoping that it'll eventually get published. I still stand. Um, I still stand by what I said when I said I instructors I like you need to have in at, at, at least at the very minimum in the early communication as you're getting hired. It needs to be a point of conversation. Like that's one of those things. Whenever I talk about in the past podcast about how I I charge stuff to the game and learn and then update my contract. If I was yeah. a teacher, that yep. one of those things. Okay, I need to update my contract. If there's anything that you want, whenever it comes to teaching or 
getting hired, if there's anything that you want, you need to have it in your contract or at least have a conversation so that way it's communicated because then you're going to be stuck out and you're going to be waiting. Like I remember, this is a total side note, but I remember I would have conversations because obviously I'm plant-based, been for like eight years, and I would have conversations with Mm -hmm. instructors or teachers who were either pescatarian or vegetarian or whatever, and they would always talk to me about how hard it is for them to continue to remain that way whenever they're on the road or getting booked. Mm-hmm. And I, I was in a conversation with one of them, a big instructor in zoo community. I mean, top 10 instructor in zoo community, Ooh. a person that everybody would know and be like, they can get whatever they want. I was having a conversation with this person. They're vegetarian. And I was, they were talking to me, oh man, you're vegan. How do you do your food? And I was like, oh, normally like the organizer, I communicate it. It's in my contract. They know I'm vegan. And they're like, wow. And then they said, well, like I'm, I try to be vegetarian. Like I'm vegetarian, but on the road, you know how it is. Like, and I was like, mm. what do you mean I know how it is? And they're like, well, you know how it is. You just kind of eat what they give you. And I was like, I don't know. No, I don't. I don't know what it is. And I remember having the conversation with them. I was like, do you know who you are? And I'm not trying to create a hierarchy <laughs> or nothing, but I'm like, do you know who you are? Your name has weight. You need to update your contract to where it says this type of thing. And I say all that to say with these videos, update your contract if you want these things, because that's that's a long time. Agreed. And so I think I would apply that same like energy to night socials. Like if you know you're going to a festival, you know there's going to be night socials. You know that there's going to be footage taken there and you would like access to it as an artist, which go off. I feel like it's very valuable marketing material. (laughs) And I feel like the organizers also know that it is very valuable marketing or material for them as well, because they do have their events stamped all over the videos. Then put it in your contract. Be like, either you need to cover these social videos. Like I would like that as part of my compensation, or you need to go have these or whatever else you need to do to make sure that you have access to whatever videos the organizer does because if the videos are getting sent directly to the organizer it would be easy for them to be like either i'll send it directly to you or i'll make sure that this gets posted yeah and and then as far as the video thing with videographers filming in uh attendees i mean like i said i think that once again we don't know the ins and outs of the contract between the organizer and there was one of the comments that was like Bro, this this thread kept me going for this week, man. There, there was there was one comment. There was one comment that was like, organizers need to pay the videographer for all of the videos that the people are gonna be getting, so that the attendees don't have to pay anything. Whoa, wow. huh? come on! And I was just like, <laughs> I don't. I, I was like, okay. Does that, is... does that not sound <laughs> does that that sound how i think it sounds <laughs> so you know so i mean I, I just think that one with specifically to this situation since i think that it's it's kind of unfair to 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 tell somebody what they should charge I think that the quality that you're getting for the video is obviously it's going to be warrant. It's going to be worth something. It's going to be worth more than just something filmed on your phone. But if you don't want to pay it, then get something filmed on your phone. Or just book a session with a videographer. Like, <gasps> That's what I was going to say. That's yes. what I was going to say. Yeah, that I've, is worked a... with, I've worked with some incredible videographers. 
I'll give you my secrets because I do think it's worth it. So what I ended up doing, what I participated in was a weekend with a group of dancers. We went to somebody's house. Like we were from all over the country. We hired a videographer for the whole weekend and we spent the entire weekend shooting content and we got the exact content we wanted with the exact background, the exact music, the exact person I wanted to dance with. It was, we got a series of like um, improv style dance, you know, captured in the moment. We got more stylized demo style dances and it was so incredibly worth it. So if you, if getting videos of yourself dancing is going to be like integral to your dance experience and for teachers it is, um, then you need to put the money in. And I feel like as teachers, you already know that you are already putting the money into videos the same way that you're putting them into headshots, into your outfits, into your dance shoes. It's just known that that's part of the business. Content I, just want to, I just want to interject real quick and just add this. <clears throat> you can message these organ these videographers, not the organizers. You can message these videographers and tell them you want the videos because a lot of them advertise before the event on the social media, particularly Facebook, that, hey, I am coming to this event and I will be filming whoever axes me or whoever I see, so on. So just DM me and so on. And then you could, you could, re- especially with videographers like Preston, they, they, you could request the style, whether you want it for Instagram, Facebook, horizontal, vertical, et cetera. And like, do you want it closer, et cetera? You could just DM them. So if you want a video, just ask them. A hundred percent. I believe I I talked about that and I believe Amber talked about that as well. Whenever she started DJing, how she hired a photographer to get her photos. And I've done the same thing. Like whenever I would go to events for a while, I did this at the beginning where I looked up who the photographer was going to be at the event. And I didn't just depend on him to get photos of me because you just never know. And if you are a person who's trying to build your brand, I mean, you got you just got to put up some money for it, you know. So I remember hiring the photographer that was there to specifically get shots of me DJing on like a couple of nights of the weekend, like the Friday and the Saturday night. So I had two different outfits. And it's the same thing with the videographer. Even at this last event that I was at, I remember I wanted to get a video of me and a specific person. And I found him and I was like, yo what do you charge for video if I want a video, if I want you to specifically film a video of me social dancing? And he told me, and I was like, okay, bet. Like, I'll find you whenever I start dancing. Now, I was dancing with the person, couldn't find him, so I filmed it on my phone, but I still went through that whole thing. And if I would have been able to find him, I would have hired him to do it, you know? So I feel like if you're an organizer, if you're a teacher or a DJ or anybody who's trying to build a brand and you're trying to get content for yourself, just skip all of the all of the what ifs and the possibilities and just mm-hmm. talk to the person work out a payment plan if you have to mm-hmm. like it's not yep. it's really not that deep for some of these people it's, they would literally not. work out something with you if 100%. you the content you know but just talk to them and be like yo i i really want to get videos from my brand uh can you maybe work out a deal with me where i can 
hit you with this much right now and this much later, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, if you're a person who's not a teacher and you just want videos, I mean, I guess well, I don't know what y'all would say to that person. The same thing. It's the same it's thing. A, it's the same thing. You, they, yeah, thank you. It's the same yeah. thing. How if you want, you could tip them in advance before anything, and then usually people will, will remember. Like, hey, exactly. Like if you want, it's like going to a DJ and you want a song request. Usually they'll take the song request if you bring a drink or you pay them a little something. To, <laughs> so oh it's God. like, hey, it's like you you want this song right here right now? Cut, <laughs> I cut the music that's for playing here. This is for you. I even use a mic. Hey, I even use a mic and say this is for so and so. Yeah, look, money talks, and you 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 will get what you want with money. Usually, I usually say this is so for so and so request. If it sucks, because I know it's gonna suck, and <laughs> I know the crowd gonna be like, "What are you doing? Like, this that, isn't me." That's so <laughs> funny. That's so if funny. you want a video, you could just hit them up, or if you want this, sometimes on the off chance, you could just share the content so much that they remember who you are because you've been supporting them forever, and they're like, "Hey, yo, shout out to you! I'm gonna do this video for you, da da da, etc." I'm pretty. Sorry. Go ahead, Amber. No, you are. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you post it if you start posting, hey, so and so is a dope videographer. You'll start getting lots of videos and pictures on your page because you know how your page is like. Probably. So even though I share that, I actually still pay them. And before they started doing the whole video, so on, I actually would, if they ever did a video of me, I would just send them some dollars beforehand while them even asking me. For some money, I was just like, "Yo, you did something for me." Is that? Of course, you're just such a good guy. He is. He's a stand-up dude for sure. Truly. <laughs> um, but I just want to underline the common thread amongst a lot of what they're saying, which is one: you need to have a respectful conversation with this person. Throwing online shade to anybody that works in the dance business is one of the biggest killers you can do to their business. 100%. Like we work mainly off of image and reputation and word of mouth. So when you start harming that, the last thing I want to do is work with you. Like, honestly, I'm not going to, I would not want your name attached with anything that I'm doing. So have a respectful conversation. Um, number two, you need to, again, recognize, and I feel like this is a common thread amongst a lot of the things that we talk about in the, on the podcast is, Recognize this is a business. Nobody owes you any favors. And I think people get confused because we're so friendly with everyone in the dance business between the people that are providing services and the people that are receiving them. And so they get really comfortable with thinking, well, this is a friendship. And so why am I paying for this? Like, you're my, you're my boy, you're cool. And like, number one, if I'm your friend and I'm running your business, you should support me 100% by paying for my mm. services because you believe in them. That's real. And number yep. two, I'm not just doing this as a hobby anymore. I'm putting a lot of time and work and energy and a I'm sacrificing a lot to make this happen. Because what you're going to notice is that the videographers don't get to participate in classes or social mm. dancing the same way. Mm, they are now true. working very intensive hours, which they need to be compensated for, not just for their work on the front end, but also in the back end. Yeah, so again, you're true. not paying based off of like what you're going to do with it. You're paying because somebody has put a lot of time and energy into making a product. So when you approach them, you need to approach them with the respect that, that product deserves and that their time and their experience deserve as well. 
And when you start the conversation that way with respect and understanding that this is worth the money, the conversation will go a lot different. They will be more willing to offer you like, hey, you know what, if you can, if you can, if you want to buy a package, like if you want to pay me up front or do a payment plan for a package and you commit to buying this many videos over the course of this many events, I'll knock down like 20% or 10%, you whatever it might be. Like I have never had an issue negotiating with anybody as long as I started with respect. Yeah. That's so real. And if we're being honest, if we're being honest within any art form, music, dance, art itself, as in painting, drawing, baking, video is king right now. 100%. Mm. King. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. Video is king. So you are literally paying for not only what they're giving you but what they are the thing that they're giving you is going to give you in the long run in six months somebody's going to see that video and they're going to be attracted to you because of that and you paid for that six months ago you know so like that's what you're that's everything that you're getting for that whenever it comes to paying for specifically for a videographer there was one his it wasn't even a demo. It was two dancers that were fire and they were dancing on the sidelines, like just for fun. They were joking around. It was not serious. I think they'd taken their dance shoes off and somebody captured it, videoed it. And that video got millions of views. Like it got shared widely outside of dance. You just don't know what moment's going to be captured. That's really going to spark off. So I totally agree with Archie. Like when we're talking about marketing, we're talking about building your brand. We're talking about the work you have to do to build yourself up as an artist. It's an investment. Like it's not a cheap thing to do for the first couple of years. A lot of the money you make is going to go right back into the business and you might still come out in the red. You know, you might still come yep. out negative. Yep. This is facts. That's it. So I love it. I think I don't, man, I'm, you guys will sum up, but I don't even think we need to sum up because that was... <laughs> Is there perfect. a fix? I don't think uh, this is communication. I, I think it's communication. I think it needs to just be upfront, like not like sneaky, like on the back end. Cause I didn't realize this was happening up until the Facebook post happened. I think we just need to be upfront and say like, Hey, we're charging for videos. And that way people will be a lot less upset. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Amber? People need to stop being uh, bums. pay 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 these folks man they got they got mouths to feed pay people pay people man like people we all grown man and everybody got bills and everybody got expenses and i mean you you paying a thousand to fly and then 500 for the room and then another 200 for what's it called and the food and so on yeah i mean you 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 if we're if Uber, you, you don't Uber each and you pay that. I also fee. say a lot of these artists that are brought in, at least in the US, a lot of us are working nine to five jobs. We are not full-time dancers, at least on yeah. the kids side. And so when the organizers bring us in, a lot of us will have to take time off work either Friday or Monday to uh, come to the festival. And a lot of what we are getting paid from the festival does not cover what we would have made in a day at work. Sure, no. So we are 
we are going to make that money. And I feel like there's been a lot of like really nice perks that we've had over the years because we've been able to give. But I think one, a lot of us are getting older and it Uh is taxing to give as much as we give and maintain that and have like regular lives during the week. And number two, freaking inflation, dude. It costs a lot more to live. So you- Like six dollars. Right. Like really read what you're getting in your ticket and what the organizer is promising to you with this specific ticket. And don't expect anything more. Like don't act like you're entitled to anything more than what you have paid for exactly. Exactly. You know, that's a bar right there. Right. Don't act like you're entitled. Go ahead. You know these iTunes songs used to cost 79 cents back in the day. They cost 129 now. 129. My my iTunes (laughs) bill last year. You want to hear it? It was seven hundred dollars for <gasps> iTunes for music. No, that's not about right. No, I, I believe you, hundred percent. That's not that's not right. Hundred oh percent. I got. I, I said. It, I said it in my D, in the DJ podcast. My i my music purchasing is budgeted into my taxes and budgeted into all that stuff. So I I yeah, hundred percent. Inflation yeah. is real. Man, it I remember sure whenever is. music used to be 79 cents. And then I remember whenever it was like some stuff was 79 cents and some stuff was 99 cents and some stuff was yeah. $1.29. Nah, bro. Mm-hmm. Everything is up there now. Everything, Everything up. Is. Everything up. You know? $1.29 for the thing, man. But wow. yeah. yeah, for sure. So pay people. Hey, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening to the Brazilian Zoo No Cap Podcast from your host, Archie, Jamie L, Ifosa, Amber, and Jesse. Muito obrigado. And until next time, stay up.